I am going to give you the top 12 breast superfoods that have been scientifically shown to dramatically reduce breast cancer risk. And they come at breast cancer at multiple angles, kind of stealing away everything that cancer loves. It's like, Darn it all, I was sitting in my happy pool and I had my friends jumping off the diving board to join me and you took it all away. All of these foods take away estrogen fuel, angiogenesis, insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, inflammation, free radical formation, DNA damage. You're taking away all the cancer candy. Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us in more than 130 countries around the world and hundreds of cities here in the U.S. So hello to the Exam Roomies in Phoenix, Arizona, North Platte, Nebraska, Austin, Texas, and Youngstown, Ohio. We appreciate you helping us make the world a healthier place. This is episode 82 of season 4, number 277 overall. And Dr. Christy Funk is back with us to share which foods are best for your breasts. She has the top 12 breast superfoods that are packed with the nutrients that you need to turn your body into a cancer-fighting machine. And hopefully then, take your risk and drop it as low as it possibly can go. So what foods are on this list? We have vegetables by land, and we have some by sea, and some spices that you're always going to want to have on hand. And while we are talking about the top 12 breast superfoods, Dr. Funk is also going to tell us about a study on the effect that 34 vegetables had on breast cancer cell growth. And there is a huge difference between some of them. Two particular varieties of these vegetables really stood out above all others. I mean, it was not even close. They shut cell production way, way, way down. So we have details on those 34 and the top 12 breast superfoods coming up right now as our Let's Beat Breast Cancer series rolls on. Thank you so very much for being here again, Dr. Funk. Thank you so much for having me. I love the exam room. And we love you right back. And we love what it is that we're going to be talking about today because so often, whatever the disease is, people are like, well, what foods can help with that? And we're zeroing in on breast cancer today. And you have come up with your top 12 breast superfoods for us. Indeed I have. So let's jump right in. I am going to give you the top 12 breast superfoods that have been scientifically shown to dramatically reduce breast cancer risk. And they come at breast cancer at multiple angles, kind of stealing away everything that cancer loves. It's like, darn it all. I was sitting in my happy pool with my lounge chair and my drink there. And I had my friends jumping off the diving board to join me. And you took it all away. Now it's just me sitting in this empty thing of water. I'm going to die now. And that's what it does. All of these foods take away estrogen fuel, angiogenesis, insulin-like growth factor one, IGF-1, inflammation, free radical formation, DNA damage. You're taking away all the cancer candy. So you ready to dive in? Let's do this. 
Top 12 breast superfoods. Here we go. So, numero uno, soy. I love debunking the bad rap that soy has gotten over the last few decades because, um, yeah, so about that. For 18 years as a breast cancer surgeon, I was telling all of my patients, like, spit that miso out of your mouth. What are you thinking? Soy has phytoestrogens. You think a little estrogen receptor, which, by the way, sits on 80% of all breast cancer cells. And when estrogen hits the receptor, it sends a signal to the cancer to multiply and divide. So back to me screaming. You think that that estrogen from a plant is any different than your own estrogen? It's sitting in that receptor and it's making your cancer grow. No soy for you. Okay, then I went to write breast the owner's manual, dove into the soy science to prove that my stance was correct with some facts. Oops, embarrassingly wrong. Like, so sorry about that. In fact, the facts prove soy to be very anti-estrogenic and anti-carcinogenic. So let me explain the real deal on soy. So what you need to understand is that we have two totally different receptors for estrogen in our bodies. Alpha is the one I just described that sits on cancer cells, but beta has soy's attention, like literally 1600% stronger affinity those isoflavones have for beta. All right. So what does beta do when it's activated by soy? Two things. It shuts alpha down. Bye-bye cancer fuel. And it goes out into the periphery where you have an enzyme called aromatase. Aromatase sits wherever you have a fat cell. Aromatase takes steroids from your adrenal gland, like testosterone and androstenedione, and turns it into estrogen, more cancer fuel. Soy knocks aromatase out. Oh, also in the event that the isoflavones like genistein dadesin um, inhabit the alpha receptor, the signaling is reported out as one-tenth to one-one-hundredth of real deal estrogen. In other words, it kind of acts exactly like tamoxifen does, which is that estrogen decoy drug that we give breast cancer patients to fill receptors and then be all sitting there like a car in the parking spot you wanted in if you were estrogen wanting the receptor. So uh, yeah, basically soy sits in alpha and is like, beep, 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 beep. Instead of screaming, grow, grow. It's just like, I'm just blocking it. All right. So that's the deal. Um, how did everybody go so grotesquely wrong? Well, prior to 2009, there were no human studies on soy and breast cancer, but there were a number of animal studies in particular mice where they were grafted with breast cancers and then fed soy and ah, the tumors grew in a big percent of them. Turns out mice metabolize the isoflavones in soy differently than humans, thankfully, and quite oppositely. So it did make those tumors grow, but it doesn't bear out in all the human studies, which I'm going to show you. All right. So if everything I just said is true, then quite simply, if you consume soy, what should your estrogen do? Go up, go down, or stay the same? Ding, ding, go down. So in fact... A group of premenopausal women, I emphasize that because you have to have at least high enough estrogen levels to measure a good drop, right? So they're all premenopausal, they're in Texas, and they drink three 12 ounce cups of soy milk a day for one month, just one month. And then, oh yeah, they drew blood levels of estrogen before all that. Then they do the drinking. Then 
depending on, then they redraw blood a month later, depending on where they were in their menstrual cycles, because your estrogen levels change throughout the month, blood levels of estrogen drop between 30 and 80% in every single participant. And the estrogen levels stayed lower than baseline for another two to three months, suggesting that you don't necessarily have to consume soy on a daily basis to enjoy lasting benefit. All right, cool. So estrogen goes down, but what I really want to know is does cancer go down? Ah, good question. So these studies are looking at a decrease in the occurrence of breast cancer, people who don't have breast cancer yet. Very large study over 73,000 women in Shanghai um, had a 59% drop in premenopausal breast cancer, high versus low soy consumers. Maybe it's something else though, over there in China that they're consuming that isn't exactly the soy. So let's bring them over to America where they can jump right into McDonald's anytime they want. American Asian women with a childhood intake of 1.5 servings a week. Think about that a week. I mean, that's not a lot of soy. And they had a 58% drop in adult onset breast cancer. And finally, we've got this study in Korean BRCA gene mutation carriers. I love this study because if you know or if you don't, I'll tell you, uh, BRCA gene mutation carriers, BRCA number one, 75% of their breast cancers when they get them are estrogen negative. They're called triple negative actually, because they don't have estrogen, progesterone or HER2 receptors. And there was a 43% drop in breast cancer for the highest versus lowest soy consumers in BRCA gene mutation. This suggests that everything I just said about estrogen is just one awesome connection between soy and breast cancer, but there are other anti-inflammatory, anti-carcinogenic pathways that are being interrupted or disrupted in order to give us that phenomenal 43% drop in uh, the most aggressive subtype of breast cancer that we have to treat, triple negative. All right, so that's all super awesome and inspiring you to throw soy milk into your coffee instead of half and half. But what if you already have breast cancer, especially estrogen driven? You should you should probably avoid soy then, right? And as I already mentioned, until 2009, we weren't totally sure. Now I'm totally sure. So uh, this 2020 study is really robust and it's multi-ethnic. I love that because 20, almost 30% were black uh, understudied population. Um, and it came out of Loma Linda following over 42,000 North American women initially free from cancer. Um, and they were followed 7.9 years. In that time, 1,057 new breast cancer cases occurred during follow-up. And then when you substitute, so, and what they saw is there was a 32% drop in breast cancer for median intakes of soy milk versus dairy milk. And when you're comparing the 90th to the 10th percentiles of dairy milk alone, there was a 50% increase in breast cancer for those who consumed the highest amounts of dairy milk versus the lowest amounts of dairy milk. So we took the soy drinkers out of that equation. That's how bad increasing dairy milk is for you. Um, so there you have it. That is a really cool study showing, uh, by the way, I transitioned wrong because that's still new occurrences of breast cancer. Now we're going to talk about if you already have breast cancer. So in this 
LACE study over almost 2000 multi-ethnic survivors on tamoxifen. So they have estrogen driven breast cancer because they're on tamoxifen. They were followed over six years. And again, high versus low soy consumption, 60% drop in cancer recurrence. Another study, 6,200 multi-ethnic survivors followed 9.4 years. And for high versus low soy consumption, there was a drop 21% in all cause mortality, 32% drop in ER positive cancers who aren't on tamoxifen. I like to emphasize that because in the first study, you might be like, well, maybe there's some like potentiation effect between tamoxifen and soy because everyone was on tamoxifen, but the soy drinkers had a 60% drop. And this next study kind of answers that. And yes, in fact, I do think tamoxifen could be potentiated by the consumption of soy, or they just independently do their thing. And together you get a 60% drop. Cause if you're not on tamoxifen and you're a big soy drinker or tofu eater, you have a 32% drop in mortality, mortality, by the way, not recurrence, death, dying from your cancer. And again, hearkening back to the BRCA, Korean BRCA study with 43% less occurrence. If you have an estrogen negative cancer and consume a lot of soy, there's a 51% drop in mortality. Oh, I'm not done. So now uh, 5,000 breast cancer patients are followed for, um, actually forget in this study how long they followed them, but there was a 32% drop in recurrence and 29% drop in mortality. And the largest study looking at this to date, 9,500 plus breast cancer survivors from a wimpy half cup of soy milk a day had a 25% drop in recurrence. So there you have it. Soy consumption before, during, and after a breast cancer diagnosis is not only safe, but it seems to be highly protective against occurrence, recurrence, and death. Mm, but I'm worried about like what I heard about my thyroid. Oh, stop it. Okay. Here's a huge study came out this year talking about being relevant. It is a meta-analysis and they looked at 417 human studies and soy. This is by Dr. Messina. And it, it came down hard on saying, absolutely, isoflavones and soy are not endocrine disruptors. There was no adverse alteration noted in thyroid function, in estrogen levels, in ovulation in women, in semen levels in men, and no negative effects in children, including man boobs or, or teenage boy boobs. Okay. Um, I call it gynecomastia, just for the record. All right, here we go. Food numero dos, cruciferous veggies, leafy greens. These include broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, turnips, radishes, watercress, kale, arugula, collards, bok choy, Swiss chard. And it's the high isothiocyanate exposure from cruciferous veggies that is likely the primary reason for breast cancer reduction. So um, here's a pro tip. In order to get the most bang out of your brock, you want to eat your veggies um, lightly steamed or raw. Why? Because the enzyme myrosinase transforms the isothiocyanates into the powerhouse sulforaphane. Myrosinase is destroyed by heat and cooking. So if your favorite vegetable on planet earth is roasted broccoli, as is mine, the pro tip is to go ahead and roast away, cook all you want, but then right before you consume it, just 
give it a good chop of the raw broccoli floret and then sprinkle it all over the cooked roasted broccoli that you're eating. You've reintroduced myrosinase and then you're able to transform all the ITCs into the oh so mighty sulforaphane. There you have it. Uh, breast superfood number three, flax seeds. So flax seeds are the most concentrated source of healthy omega-3 fatty acids on the planet, but they have over a hundred times, and I've seen in some studies, 800 times the lignant content of pretty much any other food. So who cares? Well, you care. Lignans exhibit all kinds of anti-breast cancer virtues related to lowering estrogen, stopping cell can- uh, cancer cell growth, uh, and decreasing inflammation. So in one study, um, okay, 45 women was 40, got a breast biopsy and it showed precancerous cells. So precancer cells put you at high risk. It's called a marker lesion. You may or may not have to have the marker lesion removed. Most of them don't get removed because it's not that spot that's your problem child. The fact that you had say atypical lobular hyperplasia on a biopsy simply means all your breast cells anywhere in either breast are at elevated risk for getting breast cancer one day. So that should incentivize you to embrace all of the things that you know can reduce risk. And, um, and oh, to increase your surveillance possibly. And we'll talk about that at the end of our last segment this month together is surveillance and what screening you should think about doing. All right, back to our ladies. 45 women have a biopsy, high-risk marker. This puts them at high risk. They simply ate one teaspoon of ground flaxseed a day for a year. And then the biopsy was repeated at the exact same spot where the atypia had been the year before. Precancerous changes reverted to completely normal in 32% of them. And this biomarker for cell division, which is going to come up again in a minute. So remember what I'm saying, KI67, it answers the question, what percentage of cells here are one becoming two dividing, right? It's a percent zero to hundred. And the division rate on cells went down 80% in 80% of the women. So lignans are anti-estrogens. They slow this abnormal cell growth and they're anti-angiogenic. Remember what that is. Angio blood vessel genesis birth, the birth of new blood vessels. Every single cancer in your body, if it aspires to be a killer one day, must grow beyond the size of a tip of a ballpoint pen. And to get past that size, it must produce its own blood supply, angiogenesis. So if you eat flax, it is an anti-angiogenic compound, that lignin, which makes those vessels shrink up and disappear and stops them from forming in the first place. Hmm. That's it. Okay. I had to tell you this story because it's one of my faves. Uh, 32 breast cancer patients, they all are diagnosed with breast cancer. Then they're all given a muffin, like junk food. And same with the other study, by the way, that's all it was, was the teaspoon of ground flax. They weren't told a peep about anything else, dietary or lifestyle wise. So they basically were the same person just adding flax. Um, But this one has a control group. So now you get a muffin, you get a muffin, you get everybody gets a muffin. And one of the muffins has the equivalent of two tablespoons of ground flax seeds and the other doesn't. They eat a muffin a day for five weeks, and then they have their definitive cancer surgery. So now they have the cancer out after the muffin experiment and the cancer before, and they looked at three different things on the cancers. The first they looked at 
um, is the KI67 that I just explained, the division rate. What percentage of cells are inherently in a phase of dividing as opposed to dormant, lazy, doing nothing right now? Second thing is apoptosis. I love that word. It's cancer cell suicide. It's how, what percentage of these cells are in a moment of explosion, like, or involution, like they're just done. They're gonzo. And number three, um, oh, it was a measure of CRB2, which is an aggressive marker to have on your cancer, CRB2. And here's what happened from just two tablespoons of ground flax seeds a day for five years. Oh no, five months. Oh no, five weeks. That's all you had to eat this flax for. And look what happened. Boom. The cell division rate came screeching to a near halt. Well, not really, but it dropped by a third, by 34%. The CRB2, the aggressive marker dropped by 71%. And the cancer cell suicide rate went up by 30.7%. I mean, in five weeks of flax. That's what makes flax a superfood. More about lignans. This study from New York reported um, a 71% drop in breast cancer mortality in postmenopausal women with the highest lignin intakes. The primary sources of lignans in this study were dark bread, peaches, coffee, broccoli, and winter squash. So imagine if you just scooped two tablespoons of ground flax into my antioxidant smoothie that I'll tell you about one day or into oatmeal or something like that. Like, boom, just pure without all the other stuff that could come with like the bread. All right. This study on lignans, 300 breast cancer patients. This is neato because they cryopreserved their blood at the time of surgery that happened 23 years earlier. And 180 women died. 112 of the deaths were from breast cancer. And now they could go back in time and look at the lignin content of the blood in these women at the time of diagnosis. So this graph shows the cumulative incidence of breast cancer death in those with low blue versus high red levels of lignans in their blood at the time of the surgery that happened 23 years ago. So high levels of lignin in red had 58% less breast cancer death at the five-year mark but we get to keep going. And then 10 years later, the lignans were still protective in the red high lignin group with 33% less death. And then 20 years later, the high lignin group still had 17% less death, but clearly the most effect was seen at five to 10 years post-surgery. So we love ourselves some flax. Next up, dietary fiber. Fiber crushes breast cancer's dreams because it binds estrogen in your GI tract and makes you poop it out. And it also improves insulin sensitivity, right? And when you're insulin uh, resistant, that is coming with uh, hyperglycemia and inflammation and cancer fuel. Fiber also releases, actually it's not the, the, the fiber itself, it's your microbiome, the bacteria that love fiber, then release a litany of antioxidant vitamins and anti-cancer compounds, including lignans that you now know and love, isoflavones, phytate. So high fiber intake uh, actually can even quell the more aggressive estrogen negative tumors. So there's a lot at play other than the binding and pooping of the estrogen, which, which I just went through with the other stuff might be. So you want to strive to consume 30 grams of fiber a day to decrease breast cancer by as much as 40%. So here are some good fiber sources for you. 
Black beans, lentils, and split peas, one cup has 15 grams. An avocado, medium size, has 13 grams. Berries, one cup, eight grams. That's raspberries. The other berries have like six to eight. Uh, pearled barley, one cup, six grams. Broccoli, one cup, five grams. Remember, you're going to have that raw or lightly steamed, or else add the raw back to it if it's roasted. So here's a question. Um, guess what percentage of Americans get the recommendation of 30 grams of fiber a day? 97%. No, no, that's the opposite. 3% get the, get 30 grams a day, 3%. Okay. So you and I, my friends are going to be in the 3%, um, 97% of people in America do not get enough fiber. I'm going to guess that's the same 97% of people in America that are hyper-focused on, do it, I get enough protein today? Okay. So fiber, as you just learned, is a lot more, it's about a lot more than bowel movements, but it's also about bowel movements. So a study correlated precancerous changes in the breast with the frequency of BMs, bowel movements, in 1,500 women. This is kind of fascinating. So those who pooped less than twice a week um, versus those who pooped more than once a day, granted, those are super poopers, um, but those pooping less than twice a week versus more than once a day were four and a half times more likely to harbor precancerous breast cell changes. Why? Well, many studies show that bile acids can damage DNA so much so that they can initiate cancerous changes in the breast. Your liver dumps bile acids into the intestines as a way of getting rid of cholesterol. But if you don't poop often enough, your thrifty little body there will um, reabsorb the bile acids. Like, hey, maybe we can repurpose them. Uh, so they've got this long transit time, right? Through the, through the colon when you don't poop often. And in fact, the bile acids are reabsorbed back into the body and build up in the breast? Yeah, actually they do. Of all the crazy things to study, researchers radioactively labeled bile acids in uh, women that they had them swallow nine days before they aspirated breast cysts. So 85% of women will have breast cysts at some point in their lives. And at any given moment, it's like half the women do. So I guess they ultrasounded these breasts and realized, oh, you have cysts, eat these radio labeled bile acids. And then let's pull out the cyst fluid um, nine days from now and let's see what's in it. And lo and behold, radio, radio labeled bile acids were in the cysts. So carcinogenic bile acids enter the breast and there they can exert estrogen-like cancer promoting activities. This would possibly explain why our constipated ladies have four times the amount of breast cancer. And then just out of fun, I thought I'd show you how you aspirate a breast cyst. Oh, wait, but it didn't work. Darn it. I never understand how to put videos into PowerPoints. I swear I need help every time. Well, you can YouTube it. It has like, like a million views, which is silly. But I asked if you're going to make fun of myself because I literally was three weeks away from delivering triplet boys and I am as big as a house in that white coat. <laughs> anyway, it was a very cool visual though. I stuck a cyst and I pulled fluid out and the whole audience was like, <gasps> tell you what, if you, if you send me that link, we will put that in the episode Ooh. notes so people can click right on it and watch. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you for saving my video compromised day. Of course. Um, 
All right. So there we have it. Fiber. Next, um, this is uh, this is also a source of fiber, but it's got more than that going on. Berries. So uh, a Harvard study on berries showed that just one cup of blueberries a week, and I get like a cup a day, uh, slowed down rates of cognitive decline. I know that doesn't have to do with breasts, but if you can't think about anything, <laughs> I think that even trumps the issue with breasts. All right. So another Harvard study Apparently they love um, berries over there. This is a 20 year long study of 93,600 women. And what they found was those who ate the most berries had the least cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes. So boom, right there with one cup of berries, you're protecting your breast, your brain, your heart, and your response to insulin. Remember the breast because of fiber, high fiber. We talked about it being eight grams in a cup. Next breast superfood, can an apple a day keep breast cancer away? It seems so. Now, daily apple eaters, not apple pie eaters, people, uh, have 24% less breast cancer than those eating fewer apples. Extracts from the peel can stop cancers in the lab 10 times more effectively than from the flesh of the exact same apple. So you want to eat them whole or blended, but not juiced. And red apples had the most power of all, which is a shame because Honeycrisp is my fave. All right, next up, tomatoes. Lycopene is the magic in a tomato. It's anti-inflammatory, it's anti-angiogenic, and you now know exactly what that fancy word means. So it can slow cancer cell growth. It can stimulate cancer cell suicide, apoptosis, and it limits free radical damage, lycopene. But unlike most phytochemicals, plant-based compounds like the sulforaphane I was talking about, which are therefore best consumed in their raw state so the enzymes don't get destroyed, heating tomatoes for 15 minutes actually increases the lycopene bioavailability by 300%. And lycopene is fat soluble. So you want to bump up the absorption into your body even more by sauteing or roasting them maybe in a touch of olive oil, if you're very anti-oil, which is generally a good thing to be, um, what you're, you could cook them in some broth, roast them that way, and then put them in a salad that maybe has flaxseed sprinkled on it or avocado, some other great source of omega-3 fat. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to say. This lycopene business uh, made me think, and same with the berries. Okay. I think about this every once in a while. I was going to say all the time, but I don't. Um, okay except for beets that occasionally, if you eat enough of them, you're going to pee red and poop red and think what is bleeding inside of me right now, except for that, really nothing else you eat in the entire vibrant color of the rainbow comes out visually in your pee or poop. That's because that's where all the phytonutrients are most concentrated in the skin and in the color. The vibrant color contains all that plant warfare we talked about last week. And you don't pee it out. It's trapped inside your body, creating a war against all the inflammation and the plaque and the cancer cells, right? I just think that's fascinating to think about. Don't you think? Yeah, I need it. All right. Mushrooms, superfood. Where are we? Number eight. All right. So who would have guessed when you look at all the fancy mushrooms out there, like portobello and chanterelle and oyster, they all have fewer isoflavones and flavones than 
the cheapo little old white button mushroom. So it's true. The little white button has the highest estrogen blocking ability of all the mushrooms because it inhibits an enzyme that I talked about called aromatase. That was the one in all the fat cells that causes peripheral conversion of steroids into more estrogen, estrogen, of course, being our cancer fuel. So, um, a daily intake of merely 10 grams, which I don't think about food in grams. So let me just tell you, it's the equivalent of half of a button mushroom, a half a button mushroom a day, uh, drop breast cancer rates in Chinese women by 64% over those who were not mushroom eaters. They were like, no to the fungus. Next up, the allium family. So garlic, onions, leeks, shallots, chives, scallions, these are, um, oh, there was a study in a French study that looked at women who consumed 11 to 12 servings of allium vegetables a week. They had a 75% drop in breast cancer incidence. So these are very powerful, these allium compounds. And a la the myrosinase in our broccoli and other cruciferous veggies, uh, allicinase is the magical enzyme here converting uh, into allicin, which is the compound most responsible for the cancer reduction. Allicinase is also destroyed by the heat in cooking. So after I saute my garlic and onions into whatever like awesome sauce or stew or amazing Mexican casserole sort of thing, I have the best recipe, cancer kicking kitchen in my cancer kicking kitchen. Check out my recipes. Um, anyway, the Mexican casserole begins with sauteing the onions and the garlic. All right. So you lose the enzyme with the cooking again. So no biggie, same old trick, just throw in a handful of diced raw onion boop, to the finished product before you consume it. Allison Ace is back in action to make the magic happen. All right. This intriguing study. It dripped extracts from 34 different vegetables. Here they are across the bottom. <laughs> Chuck is turning his head sideways to try to see the names of the veggies. Um, it dripped extracts of these veggies onto Petri dishes filled with eight different types of breast cancer cell lines. This slide depicts the breast MCF-7 cells are estrogen driven, just so you know. So this is this particular display is in estrogen positive cancers. Your typical American salad, check this out. You got a little carrot, a little tomato, and like some celery in Boston, a cucumber, basic lettuce. Uh, it's not doing very much here. You got like, these cells are growing in the face of those extracts. Uh, but the runaway winners are over here to the right. I boxed off in green, what is a cruciferous veggies and the garlic and onions, our allium friends are in blue. So rutabaga, did you know that was a cruciferous veggie? It is. I had to look it up to be sure, but I was pretty sure because turnips and that whole family. Okay. Anyway, here we go. It's all to the right. Like every single thing is either a cruciferous veggie or an allium veggie and the alliums crush the whole chart, garlic, leek, green onion. You don't even see any cell proliferation. It's pretty remarkable. That French study, I kind of doubted it. Honestly, I'm like 75% drop. Like, I don't think anything drops breast cancer that much. But after seeing this graph, I just might believe those French. All right. We're coming down to the home stretch. Next breast superfood, seaweed. 
There was a Korean study that showed that daily consumption of gim, which is an edible seaweed, you know, just like a sheet of nori, you know, the sushi wrap, the black sushi wrap, uh, drops breast cancer by over 50%. So pro tip, just try snacking on sheets of nori. We do, we do a um, vegan uh, sushi bar at the house. So I just put it because the kids, you know, they tend to eat what they make more so than if I'm just like, here you go. And then they look at it and start picking out stuff. So I do a bar, I do a burrito bar, I do a potato baked potato bar and another bar I do a sushi bar. So I have uh, the nori sheets and rice. And then I um, just in my food processor, cucumbers. So I got little cucumber shreds and uh, carrot shreds and sliced avocado. Anyway, you get the idea. So you can just, that's how you can get your nori in a little sushi bar like that. Or um, Trader Joe's and other places have these little uh, flex, like kind of like salt, but it's just, um, you know, little bits of se- it's seaweed, it's dried seaweed. It's a different mix of different kinds. You can just put that on rice or um, salad, powdered spirulina. You can throw that into a salad dressing. Um, anyway, I'm just bursting with ideas for you here. All right, next up, turmeric. Turmeric and other spices, uh, possibly curcumin is uh, the reason why our sisters in India are five times less likely than we are in westernized countries to get breast cancer. And the magic in turmeric is curcumin. It's the most active ingredient. It's in that little pungent yellow herb that has repeatedly turned my Vitamix blender, this like ochre yellow. And I don't know how to get that stain out. Um, anyway, the pepperine in black pepper, it increases the bioavailability of curcumin from barely detectable to up to 2000% higher. Uh, and it's also fat soluble. So come back into town, flax and avocado to max out that absorption. Uh, did I talk about it next? No, I don't. So let me tell you now, uh, there's a study that did a head to head turmeric, the root versus curcumin. Cause I hear all the time, like, oh yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to put the turmeric in your smoothie, Dr. Funk. Cause I, cause I have these curcumin pills I take every day, which is fine. I'm not telling you not to take them, but you could probably save some serious buckaroos by just using the spice turmeric or the root in whatever it is you're making. Because when the two curcumin as an extracted powder versus turmeric, the whole root went head to head in Petri dishes on human breast cancer cells, turmeric wins. So there's more, there's so much we don't understand, right? About the complexity and the synergism between the everything, all the chemical compounds in a given food. Like in these lists, I pull out the main babies that are in there, but there's more and we haven't even discovered all of them. And they somehow work together generally more effectively than when you're a, um, a nutraceutical company. And it's like, oh, curcumin's all the rage. Let's put that in a supplement and down it. Oh, green tea, EGCG, epigallocatechin calates, all the rage. Let's pull that out and put it in a capsule. Like just, just eat and drink and be healthy and merry. Okay. Next up, cacao. Oh, next up and last up, I should say, this is your 12th top 12 cacao. Finally, we get something sweet in there. Consuming one and a half ounces or 40 grams of more than 70% cacao solid dark chocolate gets an anti-cancer thumbs up. It does deliver more antioxidants than it does cocoa fat and sugar. And 
it's delicious. So here, this is from my book. This is my version of a healthy plate, 70% fruits and vegetables and 30% whole grains and healthy proteins like soy, seitan, lentils, beans, peas, split peas, nuts, quinoa, wild rice, etc. And that's it. You, I've just, you just maybe take that snapshot, little screenshot of that. Try to strive to have every plate look like that. So in conclusion today, I want to remind everybody about the Cancer Kicking Summit that is this year, October 16, 17, at the gorgeous oceanfront Terranea Resort on, in Southern California. You can get 10% off your ticket purchases today with another percent going to PCRM uh, as a donation of the live tickets using the code LBBC, LBBC, let's beat breast cancer 10. Or if you can't make it, but you really want to hear me talk more like for 12 hours straight, kid you not, um, you can watch the virtual summit for 20% off with more proceeds going to PCRM, LBBC 20. If you like to read and not listen to me talk, I have a book where I pretty much wrote everything I just said. And I'm inviting all of you to join me on, in my online community. There are over 40,000 members. Um, it's totally free and you will you can explore the entire community. It's bursting with ways to connect with other people, live, real-time, the way you kind of like chat on Facebook. There's educational materials. There's the ability to fundraise. There's my Cancer Kicking Kitchen. It goes on and on. And don't forget my online store. It's really not mine, it's a whole company. But anyway, Pink Lotus Elements, where we've got a number of intelligently, uniquely formulated um, supplements that specifically address the breast cancer journey before, during, or after. And everything is always vegan. And finally, let's beat breastcancer.org. Sign up today and take the challenge where we support you. It's a really fun thing. We give you newsletters and chance to tremendous giveaways and you get a goodie bag, a digital goodie bag just for taking the challenge. What is the challenge that you're signing up for? It is to take a pledge and challenge to, let's look at the graphics to help us out, eat a whole food plant-based diet, exercise, decrease and limit alcohol, and maintain a healthy body weight. Those are the four pillars to maximally reducing your breast cancer risk. So I invite all of you to please take this challenge with me and PCRM and other, and not other, I'm not a celeb, and celebs. And it's a really fun event taking place all year long. But of course, we love to talk about it during October. That's what I've got today, Chuck. Dr. Funk, don't ever say that you're not a celeb. You, you're a big deal <laughs> in these parts. Huge, huge. Come on now. Everybody knows you. Um but in, in all seriousness, though, I'm, I'm looking at this list of foods. I wrote it down while you were talking here. So we've got soy, cruciferous veggies, and leafy greens. We've got flax. We've got fiber, berries, apples, tomatoes, white button mushrooms, garlic, onions, leeks, et cetera, seaweed, uh, turmeric, and then cacao, a.k.a. chocolate. And who doesn't like that? But in all honesty, like it's not like you're asking kids to eat Brussels sprouts, what the equivalent would be of eating Brussels sprouts. It's not like you're asking them to eat something that they absolutely hate. Brussels sprouts, very, very good for you. But these are all good foods that people can really get on board with, you know? Absolutely. And they combine together, right? It sounds like this interminable list, like, how am I going to eat all that every day? Well, I have the solution for you next week on the Exam Room Podcast. Yeah, I love that. See, that's, that's a good tease. 
Uh, thank you so very much for being here today. This has been fantastic. And we have more work to do. Indeed we do. We will talk again soon. Thank you very much, Dr. Funk. We had the top 12 breast superfoods today. And next in our Let's Beat Breast Cancer series, Dr. Funk will be sharing the top 18 anti-estrogenic foods. She's making lists and we're talking about them twice, all in the name of your health. And speaking of in the name of health, Jill Erickson from Rooted Green Wellness is doing amazing things with the Let's Beat Breast Cancer campaign. It's just so incredible, all of the energy that she's putting into getting this life-saving information to the women in her community. Jill is also a Food for Life instructor and on a nutrition mission with her husband, Joel, who adopted a vegan diet after surviving a Widowmaker heart attack. We're talking about a 100% blockage of his left anterior descending artery. And man, is Joel ever thriving today. So it is really good to see them working so hard together to help others. And if there is someone in your life who is in the battle right now with breast cancer or is a survivor, or maybe that's you, I would love to hear from you, give you a shout out on the show or mention those in your life who deserve that shout out. I would love to get them a mention on the show. So send me a tweet or a message. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC. Tell me a little bit about their story. Tell me a little bit about your story. And let's get you some recognition that you truly deserve. And don't forget, there are links to everything that Dr. Funk talked about today. Her Cancer Kicking Summit, her book, Breasts, The Owner's Manual, and of course, to take the Let's Beat Breast Cancer Challenge. Links to all of those things are in the episode notes. And when you sign up to take that challenge at letsbeatbreastcancer.org, you will receive a complimentary digital goodie bag that is filled with even more cancer-fighting tools to turn you into a lean, mean, healthy machine. And lastly today, if you haven't already subscribed to the Exam Room podcast by the Physicians Committee, please go ahead and do that right now on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever shows are available, because every new subscription and five-star rating really does help to get this information, this bona fide life-saving information to those who need it the most. Just takes a couple of seconds to do that, and you could really make an enormous difference in someone's life. So go ahead and subscribe and leave that five-star rating if you would be so kind. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Christy Funk for being here. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based and let's beat breast cancer. Yeah.